Our lead pastor, Jerry, and his wife, Sue, are on sabbatical this summer. And so I have the privilege of coming before you and, uh, and preaching over the next several weeks. Um, and I'm thrilled to be here. I think the gospel of Jesus Christ is hope the world, and I believe the church of Jesus Christ is his primary means to communicate and live out that hope. And so um, we are, are powerful when we meet together, um, even blesses others, and it blesses me, and I'm thrilled to be here as well. Please turn with me uh, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust, from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Last winter, I did a very dad thing. I injured myself exercising. It's like dad 101 for middle-aged guys trying to pretend they're 25. And surprise, surprise, I injured my left shoulder. And pretty soon I realized I couldn't raise my hand above my shoulder without some pretty strong pain. And so, of course, I ignored it for a couple months. And then try to forget it. But after I realized that none, none of that was working, I finally humbled myself and made an appointment with a physical therapist for the first time in my life. And so during this first appointment, we went in and, and he took my arm, kind of rotated it in different directions and checking the range of motion and uh, put resistance against it to try to find out where exactly... Uh, was giving me problems and how badly it was injured. All things that I had expected. But then he did something that surprised me that I didn't expect. He said, stand up. Take a breath. Okay. Stood up, took a breath. Paused for a bit. Okay. And back. Take a deep breath. And I'm thinking at this point, what does this guy think? I have emphysema? It's the shoulder, buddy. I know how the song goes. The arm bone's connected to the... I come in with a shoulder problem, and this guy's telling me to breathe. This might be the first and last appointment that I make. I'm kind of running through my mind. I didn't sign up for yoga. But as the appointment went on and the future weeks, as the treatment went on, I began to see how short-sighted I really was. You see, in so many words, he was saying, your posture's off. You're out of alignment. And when your body's out of alignment, your muscles can try to overcompensate. And you become tense, and then when you overdo it, your past risk of injury. And so he was trying to say, your posture's off, and, and a critical part of posture was just breathing right deep from the diaphragm, and so you breathe right, you have better posture. You have better posture, you have better range of motion. You have better range of motion, you have reduced risk of injury. 
And doing a little bit more research, I found uh, another physical therapist describe it this way. This was Ron uh, Huska, the director of the Posture um, Restoration Institute. And he explains treating a patient similar to me who had a shoulder injury who couldn't raise his hand above his shoulder without pain and how he first started with breathing. And he says, I didn't treat his shoulder, at least not directly. I helped his diaphragm do its job, and that released tension in all the muscles throughout the torso that were compensating for it had a breathing problem. So my question for you today is do you have a breathing problem? Do you have a breathing problem? What do I mean? We breathe on average 20,000 times a day. Sometimes on purpose, voluntarily. Other times just we're not even thinking about it, involuntary or, or when we're sleeping. And as good as better breathing is, not only for posture, but stress relief, as good as that is, I'm not necessarily talking about the intake of oxygen, the exhale of carbon dioxide. I'm using breathing here, obviously, as a reference to prayer, both figuratively and literally in some sense, a reference to prayer. And with the breath that God gave each of us, how much do we give back to him in prayer? Do you have a breathing? If you're anything like me, you do or have had a prayer problem in the recent past. And if it's any comfort, uh, we're not alone. A well-known Christian minister, English minister, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, from a previous century said, Of all the Christian activities, none raises as many problems as prayer. So today we start a series this summer on prayer. Called Prayer, Take a Breath. Because I believe most of us are afflicted with this dysfunction, with this struggle at some point, if not currently. And so I invite you this summer to join in this deeper study of prayer. We'll look at the consequence of not praying, being out of the presence of God, being out of alignment with God's heart and how that can affect every other. When we're out of alignment with God's heart, we overcompensate in other areas. And how that can lead to spiritual and emotional and relational injuries and wounds that come up. Because when we're out of alignment with God's heart, we don't function the way he had designed us to function. I believe God has something better. I believe that God has designed us for greater impact in this community and around the world, and I believe that prayer is critical to that. And so a truth that I want to hang um, in your memory is that prayer is critical for aligning our hearts with God's heart. When our hearts are aligned with God's heart, we truly reflect his glory the way that we were designed and meant to do. When our hearts are aligned with God's hearts, we expand his kingdom as we were truly designed and intended to. Now, my immediate tendency 
When do I pray? How long do I pray? What do I say when I pray? What are the five steps that I can pray better? But before we spin ourselves into a circle, focusing on all these tangible things just yet, and some of them are worthy questions, and we will get to some of them later on, but before we get there, I'd like to stop, pause, take a breath. Because I'm going to begin this a little bit differently. I first want to focus prayer as enjoying the presence of God. I first want to focus prayer as enjoying the presence of God. Psalm 16, verse 11. The psalm writer says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. You fill me with joy in your presence. What I first want to focus on prayer is enjoying the presence of God. And we're going to begin our study by going back to the beginning in Genesis. These first few weeks, we'll work through some specific verses in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and unpack those a little bit. So you may also turn with me to Genesis 2 again. It'll be up on the screen here as well. Genesis 2, beginning in verses 4. Verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens... Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In the east, in living being. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put a man that he had formed. Mankind and God, together, in perfect harmony, the world was good. There's a refrain in Genesis 1 and 2. After God creates something, he pauses. It says, and it was good. The world was good. We had perfect union and presence with our creator God. Verse 7, Then the Lord God formed a man with the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Outside of the Psalms, one of the most famous uh, poems related to prayer is by a 16th century um, Anglican minister named George Herbert. And the poem is pretty lengthy, but there's one line in particular that caught me and caught my attention as I was working through this study. And he says, God's prayer is God's breath in man returning to its birth. Have you ever thought about that before? For as many times as we breathe, ever paused and let that Truth sink in. Prayer is God's breath in man returning to its birth. 
Again, prayer is critical for aligning our hearts to God's heart. And as we continue in, Gen- in verse 8, Gen- east in Eden, where he put the man, God had formed, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, where he put the man that he had formed. Prayer reminds humanity of when we had perfect presence with God in Eden. No longer face-to-face now, but I believe it's imprinted in our DNA. And that's why prayer is so universal, and we'll take a look at that in future weeks. Why throughout every culture, you will find people praying not necessarily to the one true Lord God of the Bible, but you will find people trying to have that memory of some time when, they, when humanity was in right relationship with God. So prayer is giving back what we've been given. Prayer is an invitation to another world. It reminds us of when humanity walked and talked face to face with God. And ever since we lost that privilege, that face to face Reunion and community with God, that face-to-face presence because of sin, and we'll also talk about that later this summer in, more, in greater detail. Ever since we lost that, humanity has longed for that. And sometimes, humanity has artificially tried to, tried to recreate that presence with a God, and invariably they end up creating their own idols. But when God, in His grace... When God in his grace provides a means for God and man and God and humanity to be reunited, we find true peace and love. And ultimately, he did that through the the work and the person of Jesus Christ. And so as we begin at the beginning, understand that this thread, that that enjoying the presence of God and how prayer relates to that is a thread that goes throughout the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Now, that's worthy of an entire sermon series and more of itself, but just a few quick examples to highlight how this thread of the presence of God in prayer flows through the entire Bible. Take a look at, uh, say, Exodus. Have you ever read through Exodus, particularly the back half, And thought to yourself, what is it about this tent? The back third of Exodus is how God's people are to build a tent, a tabernacle for him. And there's detail upon detail upon detail with this tent. What is it about this tent? There's more details in here about tents than... Any stack of REI or Gander Martin catalogs? I mean, there's detail upon detail. It always used to bother me a little bit. Well, it's not about a tent. It's about God's presence. It's about... See, God had delivered his people from Egypt in the first 15 chapters of Exodus. And God meets them. He had met them on Mount Sinai and entered into a relationship with them, a special relationship, because his presence was to dwell with them. In a tent, this tabernacle near their camp. 
The special presence that had been lost from Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve had sinned, that special presence had been, that had been lost had been given a blueprint for restoration. And prayer was critical to understanding the presence of God there because the high priest would come and offer prayers on behalf of the people. So it's not about a tent in Exodus. It's about the presence of God in prayer was critical in that. Where God, and in the later part of Exodus, when they're describing the details of this tent, where God would dwell and lead his people to the promised land, we find all these reminders and echoes of Eden, of the first two chapters of Genesis. There's angels and cherubims that are sewn into the fabric on the curtain echoing angels and the the cherubim that guarded the gates of uh, into Eden. And stars and a lampstand that many scholars believe represents the tree of life. There are all these echoes to when man had true presence with God. So God had delivered his people and called them into his presence to worship him. And the point of building the tabernacle was to create a proper place for the presence of God to dwell amongst his people as they went. And yet, later in the New Testament, we are told in Hebrews 8 that 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 earthly tabernacle, that tent, all the major theological themes that you might find in the tabernacle ultimately found their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The tabernacle was a shadow. Jesus the reality. And so when we come to the Gospels, when we come to the Gospel of John in John chapter 1, 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling, which is the same word translated tabernacle. The Word became flesh and tabernacled with us. It's that same idea. The presence of God is now perfectly through Jesus reunited with humanity. Just as God had revealed himself on Mount Sinai in Exodus through the presence of the tabernacle, Jesus Christ, and dwelt with his people again, establishing a new covenant with them. The tabernacle and the temple pointed forward to Jesus And he restored God's presence with us in the flesh. He began restoring God's kingdom. And so, that's the end of the story, right? God with man, God separated from man, God comes back, except they ignore him, they mock him, they beat him, They arrest him. They execute him. The story doesn't end there. See, the Romans and the religious authorities thought it would. But the story of God's presence in humanity does not end there. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews is looking back on the work of Christ. He says, 
We have a great high priest. Okay, just as there was a high priest that went into the tabernacle on behalf of the people, the writer of Hebrews says, We have a great high priest who ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of Man, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. This is Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Let us, ho- let us hold firmly to the faith we profe- profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we have, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That through, we can be reunited with our Heavenly Father through His Son, and as we'll see in a second here, through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is born, that familiar Christmas story and the familiar verses woven into songs that we sing, is about God's presence coming back down to bless humanity. The Gospel writer Matthew, quoting the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 7.14, says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. And before he left, before he was crucified, Jesus in John 14 promises his disciples, he said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and for he lives with you and will be with you. God took up residence among his people, first in the tabernacle, then in the temple, first in Eden, and then the tabernacle, the temple, Christ coming to earth, and as Christ was about to leave, he promises the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, to come in his presence to be in his followers. And so we can come to the Father through the work of the Son in the power of the Spirit. And as a body of believers, together with Christ, the Apostle Paul describes the church as a new temple. With Christ as the cornerstone, which becomes the dwelling place for God and his Spirit. Pastor Jerry, I just finished a series on Ephesians. And in part, one particular passage in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22, the Apostle Paul writes, You, speaking to the church in Ephesus, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, in Jesus, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 
And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The church, in the church, we enjoy the presence of God as well. And yet another unique way that we, even more so than we enjoy individually, with Christ as the cornerstone. And eventually one day when he returns, we will come to to what's described in Revelation 21. So we've come from Genesis, and in our survey, I know we're skipping stones across the lake here, but in our quick survey, we've come to the end of the Bible, Revelation 21. Where God's presence with humanity and with his followers, those, those that have accepted his gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, God's presence with his followers is reunited perfectly. And the Apostle John, writing Revelation, sees a vision and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The story of God's presence among his people is parallel to and inextricably intertwined with prayer. It is parallel to and inextricably intertwined with prayer and the story of salvation. The human race starts out in perfect presence with God in Eden. That place with his created humanity. Sin separates that. And humanity is thrown out of the presence of God. And the rest of the Bible tracks the story how God works in his grace to restore his people to close relationship with him so that they can enjoy his presence. And the primary way is through prayer. For to the Father, through the work of the Son, and the power of the Spirit. So some application. Maybe you've come here with a particular problem. I know most of us do. I know all of us do. That you're dealing with, that I'm dealing with. Like I had that shoulder injury. You're thinking, I can't. But in your case, it might be a relational or emotional or spiritual wound. You're thinking, I came in here with a problem with my kids or my marriage or my work or my family relationship. This guy's telling me to breathe and pray? Seems kind of abstract. Maybe difficulty making that connection. But my challenge and my encouragement to you today is that coming to God in prayer 
brings you into the presence of God. And being in the presence of God aligns your heart with God's heart. And that impacts every area of your life. Do you have a prayer problem? I can answer yes. But I can hold on to the truth that prayer is critical for aligning our hearts with God's heart. And a heart aligned with God's reflects his glory. Heavenly Father, through the work of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit that we have. I'll echo Hebrews 4 again. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. So we've talked big picture presence of God in prayer. Sometimes details are important, not to ignore that. Just saying first, let's focus on the presence of God. And maybe seconds later, we can quickly turn to details. I will suggest a few application points. We're breathing 20,000 times a day. Some of those were actually paying attention to our breath. When that happens, when you notice in yourself controlling your breathing, take a deep breath. It'll help your posture. It'll help your stress. But more importantly, when you take a deep breath, first focus on your need to pray, to come into the presence of God. And when you pray, first focus on enjoying his presence before you get to specific details. Just sit and breathe. Now, soon after, we may get to what's on our heart, what specific problems are, and that's fine, and I, I'm there with you. But first, pause, breathe. Then the Lord God formed a man, Genesis 2, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Prayer is God's breath returning to its home. So take a breath. Pray with me. Father God, burns on our heart. But Father, I pray that we're able to just approach you first and primarily and just pause long enough to enjoy coming into your presence that you offer to us through the work of your Son, through the power of your Spirit, and that in your presence that we would find rest, we would find hope, that we would find love. Father, I pray as we continue this series and study of prayer, I pray that you would work powerfully in our lives. I pray that we would have eyes to see how you're working in this world. I pray we would have hearts that are soft to see how your kingdom can be expanded. I pray that we would have ears to hear um, how you would have us work both individually and as a body. I pray in the name of your Son and power of your Spirit. Amen.